In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I don't know how many of you have realized this, but we are in the festival week of Passover. Earlier this week, our Jewish friends gathered with friends and family uh, to share the Seder meal. Looking back on that fearsome and holy night of the Passover in the land of Egypt some 4,000 years ago. God had spoken to Moses through the burning bush, saying, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and I have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians. And so nine times... Moses had carried God's demand to Pharaoh, let my people go. And nine times, Pharaoh had refused. And each time that he refused, God sent a plague, one after another, that decimated the land of Egypt. And still, Pharaoh refused with a wrought iron will. You see, Pharaoh was regarded among his people as a god, certainly regarded himself as a god. And to bow down before the demands of another god, well, that would require an admission that he was not as great as he supposed himself to be. And that was an admission that he was not willing to make. No matter how his kingdom crumbled, Around him. And so, one last time, God sent Moses into the palace to demand the release of his people, even telling Pharaoh of the terror of the tenth plague that all the firstborn of the land would die, from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sits on his throne, even to the firstborn of the slave girl who is behind the handmill, and the firstborn of all the cattle, there will be a great cry throughout all the land of Egypt, such as there has never been, nor ever will be again. And yet, Pharaoh refused again. Now, this tenth plague was to be different. And not just in the sheer terror of it, but also in its scope. The first nine plagues had affected the Egyptians, but the region in which the Hebrews were living was always spared. But not this time. See, the tenth plague was not a judgment against Pharaoh's hard heart, but it was a judgment against human sin, against uh, that fallen human propensity that you and I uh, know so well where we insist uh, that we be gods unto ourselves, demanding that we have the final say over our own lives. 
Unlike the previous plagues against Pharaoh in Egypt, the Hebrew people individually and corporately, by their own sin, were just as subject to the judgment of this plague. And yet, mercifully, the Lord gave the Hebrew people a means of escape from His righteous judgment against sin. Each family was to take a lamb, a year old, a a perfect lamb without spot or blemish. And they were to kill the lamb and take some of the blood and paint it over their doorposts and on the side uh, lentils. And they were to then roast the meat and eat it in a hurry with unleavened uh, bread, their belts fastened, their staffs in their hands, ready to leave. For, as God said, I will pass through the land of Egypt that night and I will smite all the firstborn of the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and on all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you upon the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And no plague shall fall upon you to destroy you. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. And no plague shall fall upon you. In other words, the way that the Lord would distinguish those whom He was going to judge from those from whom He would withhold His judgment was to see the blood of the Lamb. The way that He knew who His people were was to see that there had been a sacrifice made by a substitute on their behalf. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. And every firstborn Hebrew son, sitting there that night, eating that lamb, consuming and ingesting that substitutionary, sacrificial lamb, could say, that lamb died in my place so that I could live. And from that moment, from that moment, God established an annual remembrance of that holy night, that defining night where God withheld His judgment from His people because He saw that a sacrifice had been made on their behalf. And He led them out of slavery, out of bondage, and He began their long walk towards freedom as the people of the one true God. And so it was many, many generations later that Jesus and His disciples were in an upper room and they were eating the Passover meal. They were remembering God's deliverance of His people from bondage. Now, the disciples might have found it a little hard to concentrate. They had had a dizzying week And it started on Sunday as Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey to the shouts of Hosanna and a carpet of palm fronds in front of Him. 
And then uh, Jesus uh, later in the week had cleared the money changers out of the temple with a whip of cords. And then they were, uh, one evening they were eating in a home and a prostitute had walked in and uh, poured expensive perfume all over Jesus' feet and wiped it up with her hair and He had let her do it. And so they were here on Thursday. This high, holy Passover night. And there was political tension in the air, and there was religious tension in the air, and there was social tension, and there was even some grumbling among the twelve, because, you know, Judas wasn't real happy about the whole prostitute and uh, perfume episode. And then, as if that tension wasn't high enough already, Jesus spoke to the group and said, One of you will betray me. Matthew says that they were sorrowful. And they began to say to him one after another, Is it I? Now, in their culture, eating with one another was the highest form of fellowship. It virtually guaranteed that there would be no hostile act between, any, between the two. And so you can imagine the horror uh, that the disciples felt when they heard Jesus' statement that one who was eating with Him would betray Him. You know, isn't it interesting that Jesus doesn't implicate Judas? He's not initially. Jesus leaves it open. As if each one were uh, potentially culpable and fully capable of betrayal. And one after another, they ask, is it I? In other words, it's not me, is it? None really shows compassion for Jesus, who is going to be betrayed, but each is concerned with establishing his own innocence. Though each would abandon him that very night. Wretched betrayal, blind self-centeredness, political unrest, social taboo, ecclesiastical power grabbing. Does it sound familiar? And all that serving as a backdrop for the Passover meal, pointing to the faithfulness of God to deliver His people from bondage into freedom. And it is against all this backdrop, this backdrop of human turmoil and sin, that Jesus stands up. And as they were eating, He took bread, and He blessed it, and He broke it. And He gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat. This is My body. And He took a cup. And when He had given thanks, He gave it to them. And He said, Drink of this, all of you. For this is My blood of the covenant which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. 
Jesus took this Passover meal and He gave it an entirely fuller meaning. He took this ritual that the Father had established for Him to fulfill and Jesus looks ahead to the very next day where His body would be broken as He was scourged and nailed to a cross Blood pouring out of his wounds. God was again faithfully leading his people out of slavery and bondage. But this time, this time it was the bondage of our own sin. The bondage that led Judas to betray. The bondage that led the disciples to care more for their innocence than for Jesus' suffering. The bondage that blinded the power-grabbing religious leaders. The bondage that you and I see in our own lives every day. The insecurity, the self-righteousness, the anger, the white lies, the lack of self-control. The lingering belief that if we can just get our good to outweigh our bad, then everything will probably work out okay. In this Passover meal, Jesus says, No longer must you kill a lamb and place the blood over your doorposts to avoid the judgment of God, because now Jesus is the lamb. God still knows His people by seeing that a sacrifice has been made on their behalf. He still says, When I see the blood, I will pass over you. But now it is the blood of Jesus that He is looking for. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know nothing but the blood of Jesus. The Passover meal is the meal that Jesus gave us, not just to remember His sacrifice, but to identify ourselves with it. And every time that we come up to the altar and we hold out our hands and we take into ourselves the bread and the wine that to us by the Holy Spirit are the body and blood of Jesus. Every time that we consume and ingest this bread and wine, we are agreeing with what the bread and wine preach to us. That lamb that died in my place so that I could live. Now, not everyone likes this talk about blood and death. They say that God is a God of love. How how could He ever do something like that to His Son? God loves. God will forgive. Well, that is a very convenient way of thinking about our own sins. We want our sin to be forgiven. but, But what about the sins committed against you? You who have been raped or betrayed or abandoned or abused or dismissed. Or you who have committed such sins against another. Does our God of love just wink at the grave injustices wrought by human sin? Is he a glib and doting uncle in the sky who turns a blind eye to the bad and calls that love? 
Or is He, as the Bible proclaims, a God of such pure and mighty love that He can't shrug off sin, yours or anyone else's, but for His great love He must see that justice is met. He must make wrongs right. He must judge sin. And don't you see that that a God of love could not just let that injustice slide? And that actually His justice and His love are part and parcel with one another and their intersection is right on the cross. And so as to eradicate the sin that He hates without eradicating the sinners that He loves, He eradicated Himself on the cross, pouring out His blood for your sin and for my sin, so that when He sees the blood over us, His judgment will pass over us. Behold, Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world, That Lamb that died in your place and my place so that we could live. That's our God of love. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. Thanks be to God. Amen.